Hi, everyone. Welcome to Jen and Sam Make a Movie, the podcast where we share with you everything we're going through trying to produce our indie film from financing to marketing to screenwriting to the themes in our movie. Today, we're talking all about social and marketing. Hi, I'm Jen. I'm here with Sam. Um, so one of the things we're going to talk about first today uh, is like, why would you start marketing so far ahead of crowdfunding? As a lot of you know, uh, we're going to put April 1st as our crowdfunding date for several reasons. Uh, it There's a lot of research that shows that that's an auspicious date because that's when people get paid, uh, is in the spring. People tend to give more money in the spring. But we've started marketing and talking to you guys about our film like nine months ahead of time because I think we started in September. Uh, we were already talking about it in August. So why are we doing that, Sam? <laughs> well, research shows, marketing research, especially content marketing research, shows that six months is a really good lead time to see results. As That, that means for you guys who are interested in indie film or marketing, if you want to build an audience from the ground up, which we're doing, I mean, I've done a lot of work on crew and on sets, but as far as my own personal content, I'm really sort of, building this audience from the ground up and we're sharing our, our, we're sharing our journey with you. And for that to happen, everyone says six months, that's what you need six months. And anyone who tells you shorter than that uh, might already have an audience in place. So if you're a YouTuber and you have several thousand subscribers already and they know what to expect from you, you already have that credibility gained you're not starting from the ground up like we were, right? So you you already have a head start on your you already have a head start on gaining your audience. I think you make a really good point about YouTube too, because um, that's actually kind of the ideal place to build your platform. A, a, a large YouTube following is a very different thing than like a large Twitter following, because those Twitter and Facebook people they're seeing some of your content every now and then. Your YouTube subscribers are actually engaged in sitting and staring at your face or at something you've made for like a full two minutes. That's a lot of engagement. Um, so ideally, which I don't think this has been addressed in any of the marketing advice I've seen, ideally you would start your indie film by already having a YouTube series up so that people already like you. And actually this has been addressed. Um, I had a really good conversation with Bill Taub who wrote the book automatic pilot. My num like probably my number one favorite screenwriting book next to screenwriting by Sid field. Um, and he, so he's an expert on, on film. And one of the things that he's been emphasizing lately is trying to teach people to make web series because that's something continual. That's a way you can build an audience. It's actually one of the only ways nowadays that a screenwriter can be viable without having to basically submit to a change in creative agency where a production company or something else gets to decide what you put out. So having a web series, having a YouTube base, um, you may want to consider actually doing that before you make your feature film. We didn't do that. We're kind of using a slightly more traditional model, I guess, if you can call it that. Um, and we've been learning a lot from Seed and Spark, which is another amazing resource. Um, they say that 100% of the people who've completed their film class on, on marketing 
um, get their projects fully funded. So, of course, not wanting to, you know, not get full funding, we've both gone through that course. Um, and their technique is the technique that we've been sticking to, um, which they give you they give you a lot of good information. So even if you're late to the game and your crowdfunding is coming up and you're not totally ready, they give you a lot of things you can do. I think they even released a thing on what to do if you're mid-crowdfunding and it's not going well. So they can help you like emergency emergency tips at all stages. But ideally, starting from the ground up, we're doing this six-month thing. Um, it would be very nice to, if you, if you have more lead time than we did even, because I didn't really know this at the time, um, it might even be better for you to back up a year or two and start with like a small web series or something first. Uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge with our crowdfunding? I don't know if you wanted to ask me that, but I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> that was a question for you. Um, I think the biggest issue with our crowdfunding is we've got some markets for our audience that are a little bit hard to tap into. Uh, so reaching some sort of some disparate fields, you know, some disparate audiences, audiences that typically do not go together. So people in committed relationships, you know, married couples, and also people who typically are interested in representation in film and representation in media and what that means for the culture. Those are two very different audiences. One tends to be very liberal and progressive and one not so much. So the tone, even like on Twitter, when I'm talking to different people, you know, you don't want to be duplicitous or facetious. Um, and the great thing about Jen and I is that we're, we are those people on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> We, we really don't fit into, we have, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? We have feet on both sides of the lines, um, which is why I think it works so well and why we're getting the response on Twitter that we are, because we don't come across as duplicitous. Um, so I think that's the, finding the right audience and finding messaging language that targets them both, I think is going to be really interesting. Well, and I think a part of that is I really believe that those audiences actually do overlap a lot more than the current marketing studies or conventional wisdom show. Uh, and one of the reasons I, I really firmly believe that is because a lot of progressives who care about racial representation um, actually also tend to care about a lot of issues that are traditionally conservative, like abortion. Um, there's a really growing movement among millennials um, like if you look up like feminists for nonviolence, LGBT against violence, um, a lot of these groups, uh, or there, there's even a large like secular pro-life, a lot of these groups are predominantly progressive, but they happen to believe in sanctity of life because they're against violence. And being a nonviolent person and living out kind of the life of nonviolence, and it sounds very hippie. Um, actually is something that crosses over well into a lot of a lot of married couples that that was one of the reasons that they settled down with one person rather than hopping around with other people is because they chose I want to be nonviolent in my behavior towards this person I want to have one person and not be nonviolent and not be violent towards the other gender um, by breaking a lot of hearts or however they think and so I and I think the the threat of nonviolence actually connects a lot more people and the threat of positivity collect, um, 
collects, everyone. corrects. Yeah, people, a lot of people like that, and especially a lot of those people. Not everyone likes that because there are people who are super into violence. Um, supporters of a certain candidate uh, recently have been very pro pro-violence. I'm not going to say anything that's going to get me in trouble because I, I don't want to come down politically on, on any side right now. This isn't a political podcast. But um, it, it is true that how we think about the world and how we think about even our candidates and how we think about specifically violence affects the ways that we go go into films. And I think that people who are into things like representation, which is really a broader expression of the nonviolence principle, it's a principle that Everybody should have a chance. No one should be violenced against and pushed out. Um, people who are into that, I think, overlap more than we think that they do with people who want to settle down and get married. And I think specifically that's true um, often within the black community because marketers tend to stereotype – all of marketing is stereotyping. So marketers tend to stereotype and split up the black community, not understanding um, – that, for example, there are a lot of Baptists who are, you know, very traditional about everything, but they've been voting Democrat since, you know, their grandchild. Their, I'm sorry, their grandparents. Time, time. I live in Benjamin Button world. Um, you know, they've been voting Democrat forever. And obviously race is an important issue for them. Representation is important, even though they're very traditional about everything. Uh, and so I think that our tendency in our culture to kind of split into fissions, uh, split into fissions is not into fissures. We, we tend to fissure into factions. That's a very pretty way to say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we tend to fissure into factions. And so we don't pay attention to the, the places where they overlap. And so I think we have this film. It's got solid representation. It is about a traditionally married couple, quote unquote. Um, but there's really nothing traditional about any relationship, and that's kind of what this shows, especially not any interracial – on the one hand, interracial relationships are the oldest kind of relationship that has ever happened ever. Um, and on the other hand, people are acting like it's some modern progressive thing. Um, it's, it's really not. We are all technically interracial in some way. What's your biggest piece of advice for indie filmmakers uh, as far as finding an audience and really thinking critically about that audience? I don't know if I'm equipped to, to give advice specifically, but I can say that specifically we have been finding our audience by listening. Um, we've both been very involved within the audience that we're in for a long time. And that makes, I think, a huge difference. And I think that's why these big Hollywood marketers are having trouble. You know, they say, oh, I can't sell a superhero film if it's got a black lead. Well, that's just because you're an idiot. I'm sorry. That's just because you don't know any... Um, any black people <laughs> that's because you don't you haven't been listening is what it comes down to i'm sorry i was just a little sorry. bit rude there um you you need that's just because you're not listening if you were to sit down and listen and pay attention you would see that that there is a large market and it's just about listening um and i think that we've been doing that very well not even just on social media but just in our lives, we we're always we we're paying attention to what's what people are saying in the news. We're paying attention to what people are saying around us. Um, so being a part of the, you know, who who says this better than anyone was Bill Taub. I'm going to mention him again. He says that you should make the movie that you want to see. Well, if you're making the movie that you want to see, you will be part of the target audience, and you will know the target audience already. If you're just trying to make a movie because you think it's going to sell, which is their problem, 
you're not going to know the audience because you aren't the audience. Or you know, the, the, another mistake is making a movie that you think everyone's going to like. Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like that's the other spectrum. These high concept films that, you know, you can bring grandma and you can bring your two-year-old nephew, you can bring mom and dad and you can bring your boyfriend, right? And everyone's going to have a good time. Well, is that what you really want to like? What's that saying that I don't necessarily always agree with? But, you know, if if you don't offend anyone or if, you know, everyone likes you, maybe you're not doing everything right. Hmm. You know, make a film that not necessarily everyone's going to like. You don't want people to like your movie. You want people to be moved by your movie, right? Oh, yeah. That's what's going to keep people coming back. You want, I think Banksy said that film is the best thing to do if you actually want to change the world. Oh, right? yeah. Did you put that quote on our Twitter? It is on our Twitter. If you sit through hundreds of our pictures, you'll find it. It's a great quote by Banksy. Do you want to change the world? I think you should want to change that. I think you should want to change the world. I really do. She says as and the that, police siren goes off behind her. Yeah. I, I'm, I live in a really quiet town, but the busiest street in that quiet town. So let's wait. No, but it worked. It worked. It was perfect. It was the perfect sound effect. You're saying you should want to change the changing. world. And then the siren goes off. That was no, It's perfect. probably like someone got hurt. It's snow on the ground. It's, it's not that serious. No, 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 you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, dumb it down. Something terrible was going on. You should want to change the world. Police sirens. Cut to black. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly. I I think you really make a really good point there. I do think it's possible to reach ScreenCraft, um, which is another useful resource, puts out and and there's a conversation kind of in film talking about reaching the five sectors. Um, And family-friendly films make so much money because they're able to reach the quote-unquote five sectors, which people should look up because I'm not really um, equipped to be talking about them. But So I do think it's possible to reach a lot of different people, but the problem is that if you aim for... Well, I shouldn't say if you aim for a barn, you're not going to hit the barn because you can hit a barn if you're going to aim for it. Um, if you try to, if, if you're an eagle, the, so what, the philosophy that I was taught back in martial arts um, when I was younger, they told us if you're an eagle and you start to try to chase multiple rabbits, you will fail. You need to chase one rabbit and then you will get the rabbit. Uh, and I think that's why also indie filmmakers, maybe we should generally start out with something. Um, since we're a little more inexperienced that caters to an audience that we know and that's niche because it's easier to reach a niche audience. It's very difficult to create the next Zootopia, um, which I mean, cause that's, that's exactly what they did, you know, as they ended up, you know, they can target, they're targeting people who are interested in representation. They're tar- targeting adults who are thinking. Um, and then they're targeting children who like fluffy bunnies with little tails who are running around with foxes. Um, they're, they're, that's a really, and they're the other two part sectors. They're able to do that, but that's not their first film, you know, then, and they have gazillion, gazillion dollars behind them. So, you know, start, start intelligently. I think <laughs> you don't necessarily have to reach a small market, but you should try and be reaching a specific one. Ooh, that's good. That's very, very good. That's a quote. We should put it, put it on the Instagram. Bam. Got it. <laughs> All day dropping lines. Anyway, let's talk about tools because we've, we've been at this for a few months now and 
I would say that we put more into marketing this film than actually developing it in preparation for crowdfunding and trying to find that perfect audience of people who's really going to be moved by this movie. So, and we, we've, we've had a ton of tools to help us get there. So why don't you start and I'll try and fill in what's been, I guess, the most helpful tool in helping us grow our audience. Um, so far I really like using Hootsuite because that's my favorite, but just being able to schedule things on Twitter, um, Twitch shot and buffer and Hootsuite are all very helpful. Uh, and it's not that we're, you know, not paying attention to how we're going to develop this. It's just that we know we could do that. We know we know how to develop a film because, I mean, I've seen Sam's previous stuff and I know she knows what she's doing. Um, but right now at this stage, we're really focusing on the kinds of tools that can help us just spread the word. Uh, we do actually have... Right. It doesn't matter if you have the best film in the world, if you have the next Goodwill Hunting or Paranormal Activity... If you don't get it in the in front of the right audience. Oh, right? did you like Paranormal Activity? Is that one you like? Well, it's a it's an example of a really cheap and wildly successful indie film. Yeah, and Goodwill Hunting is you know is another example of a wildly successful indie film that ended up winning an Oscar. Oh, I didn't know those were both indies to start out with. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Indie is a very broad term. You could have a, a multi million dollar movie that's indie. I mean. It's 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 pretty broad, but paranormal activity. I think the budget for that was fifteen thousand dollars. That's our budget. Yeah, ended up making a ton of. We're gonna have to stretch it a bit further than they did, but (laughs) I ended up making a ton of money in the box office. Oh, cool! This is this is hope. I didn't know this. Um, Yes, so good tools so that you can be able to stretch your money like paranormal activity. Um, Yeah, we are also really benefiting from some of the tools that we've mentioned in our indie filmmaker kit. We actually went through and listed, I think 50 something um, different resources. Each resource is enormous in itself. um, And we went ahead and put it on our website. So if you go to our website, um, you'll see like a little box right away. It's like impossible to miss. Um, In fact, there are too many of them and I have to figure out about where to put the boxes. You really want your email address and our website lets you know that. Yes. Uh, and the reason we want it is because we really do believe in indie film and in supporting indie film. And we have just been really blessed to run into a lot of amazing resources that we're sharing. And some of those resources are things like social media and things like that. Some of them are script writing, um, which is, I think, really necessary for screenwriters to study. I think I've said, I said this in, a, in the last podcast, but writers are sometimes the laziest people in the world. And lazy writers are not good writers. So study, um, and we have a lot of good resources for how to study screenwriting and things like that. We have some resources for distribution and stuff like that, which we are really excited about using like tug and a lot of these other things. But for now at this stage, um, scheduling tools have been really useful for us on Twitter. Did you have some other ones that you wanted to mention or, uh, Jen prefers Hootsuite. I prefer buffer. Uh, Hootsuite is great for a variety of things, not just scheduling, but, you know, keeping track of different feeds and hashtags. We're always looking at representation matters and indie film and black women did that, black girl magic, all that fun stuff. Underrated Asian is also another wonderful hashtag to keep up with. Um, I prefer Buffer just because I'm very design minded and Buffer I think is beautiful. Uh, It's really mainly used uh, for card tweets. So if you want uh, media tweets, they do that really well and scheduling. 
Hootsuite is better for a general overview of all of your social. It's much more powerful than Buffer, but Buffer is prettier. Have you been using, (laughs) it matters. Have you been using Buffer for the, have you been using the paid version? I have not been using the paid version of Buffer. I think we got a, uh, a trial of it. I sent us up for like a trial of it and it was, it was okay. There's no real reason to, uh, I think, unless you're like a company and you're doing a ton of different profiles, you know, if you're bigger than we are, um, then you might want to do the, the paid version. I know they allow you to schedule more, but I mean, we post pretty regularly to Twitter, especially, you know, back in September, we were basically tweeting around the clock and I think we were fine with the free version of Buffer. Now, Buffer only lets you schedule 10 tweets if it's free, right? Like you can have 10 ahead. You would want to do it every day. You would want to schedule out your tweets. Yeah. So that is one thing um, which I eventually want to set up on our on our site. But that's one thing I really liked about Hootsuite um, for another project I'm working on um, is for that project, I have tweets scheduled all the way out into February because I have to have those tweets out because I have an I have I have an earlier crowdfunder coming up. Um, and I really like that ability of being able to schedule them further out and especially being able to schedule them around holidays is, is one thing I really like about Hootsuite. Um, because, and we eventually need to, need to do that with Buffer, uh, with, not with Buffer, but with, um, what we're doing with our films so that we can kind of have more, um, more flexibility. But on the other hand, it's really important not to automate everything is what I've been reading. Um, because you want to be able to be replying to things. Sam is really good at this. Sam is really, is, has done most of the replies in the past two months, I think. Um, like most meaning, I have only replied to like two tweets and I think she has done like a hundred thousand tweets of replies and things. It's really important to do that. There are a lot of studies that show that your engagement goes way up. And so having scheduled tweets isn't enough. You yeah, have to people be talking. especially hate automatic DMs, which I didn't know. I was one of those like naive people. Like if I followed a celebrity and they sent me a DM, like that was really meaningful to me. Even if they sent it like two seconds later, <laughs> I was too stupid to know that like, Okay, they automated it. And now, you know, having, since we do automate some stuff, mainly our tweets, if you get a message from us on Twitter, it's not a bot. And I'm really proud of that, especially having found out how annoyed people get uh, that their inbox is filled up with auto DMs from a bot. Yeah, we don't um, auto DM. Um, we have something, we do have something set up that makes sure that you get our stuff. Um, as in when you come in, we send you a welcome tweet. Cause I think it's rude not to, and there are so many of you because we are growing very fast that it would be impossible for us to say hello to every single person. So we do make sure to send our hello out that is automated. So, you know, to be but honest, if you reply here, to that auto tweet, a real person will reply back to you. It is Sam who is always. replying to you always. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to kind of be switching roles a little more when we get into March and, and February. Um, because that's, that's just kind of one of the things that's kind of planned out. So then it'll be me in, in March and February. So if you want to, if you want to talk to, to Sam, um, now through, through, or through February 15th is the time to talk to Sam. <laughs> and then afterwards you might get me, um, but you, you get either of us any given day. So, uh, but so that's, that's, it's very important to have the flexibility, especially with the kind of fields that we're in, um, uh, where, you know, there's always some kind of news going on. 
which is why I really liked, um, this is kind of a little more maybe controversial tool to mention. Um, there used to be a thing called Twitter feed that died, um, and has been replaced by deliver it is D L V R dot I T. Um, I do think that this is a useful tool because it allows you to stay on top of the news with like, you can set up a Google alert or a Google feed, um, and have that feed directly into the Twitter. We've had some really good results with that. Every now and then I'll get a tweet from that. That is amazing. And I'm like, wow. engagement is way up since we started using that and we haven't been using it very long, maybe a couple weeks. Um, it's, it auto tweets for us. So if you see a car tweet or anything that's media related or has media attached, I've sent that out. Um, if you see, you can tell cause it'll say deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. Something that says deliver it basically. Um, that's basically an RSS feed that gets sent to Twitter. We've, we've had some really interesting stuff get shared through that. I've also had to delete some. Yeah, me too. I've gone through cause there's like some that I've been like, Ooh, that is not a thing that I like. <laughs> yeah. So I've been trying to tweak it. Um, I think it's ideal if you can get a feed. So the reason we're mentioning this, because we want to be open about everything, let you guys know. Um, we're not trying to hide behind any kind of robots here. We want to be open and let you guys know, you know, how we're doing it and see if it helps you. Um, and so what I have set up on Deliver It is I have a, a Google feed that feeds into that. I think it would be better... Um, if there was a way I could narrow down that Google feed more. So I'm trying to look right now for sources of other ways to get a good RSS feed, basically, because I don't want to select like one website. Um, so it's, it's a little bit difficult. Those of you who are really good at setting up RSS feeds, like maybe via pocket, which is a really useful tool. Um, like my husband is amazing at this. It's very unfair. I started following, I made a Twitter list of just my husband's people that he follows because he is, his brain is set up like an amazing RSS monitor. He selects all the best content automatically just by being Brian. Um, if you have someone like that in your life who selects automatically the best content, steal everything from them and feed it into a deliberate. I couldn't do that with him. Um, because his stuff isn't particularly relative to our feed, relevant to our particular feed. But if you can find a good feed, um, that can be very useful. It, our our robot right now has been very excited about Moana recently. It's got a personality. Yeah. It loves Moana. Um, yeah. I like Moana too, but... Not as much as the robot does. The robot is a true fan. We people are, I mean, people are writing a lot about Moana. People are excited <laughs> about it. Some people are angry about it, so picking up all of that crazy stuff. No, no, I think it's alive. I think it's a personality thing. I think the robot loves Moana. Just with all his heart. <laughs> she, she's wondering if I'm serious or not. She's looking at me like, what? Um, <laughs> I tend to anthropomorphize things. So, you know, this robot is becoming alive in my mind. It's, it's going to get a name soon. I think I might name it Moana. Um, As a side note, Jana wrote a really great uh, short story about an AI, a malicious AI. It's called Brainworms and White Whales. We'll give you the link uh, in our blog post or however we decide to post this. You'll get the link to that. Or if you search uh, Jen Finelli, Brainworms and White Whales, you'll probably find it. Um, it was published in a, like a podcast. They did a dramatic reading and it's really fun. I like it. It's a little bit PG-13. Um, 
there uh, is anatomy. Anatomy is mentioned. Um, <laughs> you can actually, you actually just Google Jen Finelli has brain worms. It'll come right up. Um, so <laughs> you don't even, thank you. Thank you for that shout out. I appreciate that. Which that's kind of another thing actually feeds into another thing. That voice actor was amazing. Um, one of the biggest reasons that you need to start early for your crowdfunding and marketing is because you really want to give your amazing actors and the people that have talent kind of the best chance you can. Um, it would be really cool if you can connect with them all ahead of time and make them all a part of your marketing. We're starting to do that slowly. It would have been ideal, I think, if we could have... So ideally, life would be a little bit different and we would do our crowdfunding in like September or November um, and do our casting before that. That would be great. But it's very, you know, on the one hand, we want to do our casting and be able to tell our our actors we're actually going to pay them. So that it's, you know, it's a catch-22. It's good to have good actors lined up ahead of time for your marketing. And on the other hand, you know, your good actors want to know that they're going to get paid. So you kind of have to make that decision uh, as a crowdfunder. Like, what at what point are you going to crowdfund? They want to know they're going to get paid and how much. Yes. <laughs> and you need. And we, we decided to do that earlier too, so that, you know, we can prove to them like, look, we have this for you. Um, and also, I mean, I, I would like to do it later, but unfortunately I have my next three years planned out for me by someone who is not me. Don't worry. It's not my husband. He's awesome. Um, and unfortunately I have to, I have to stay within those paradigms. So in order for, to be helpful, um, at all, I had to move up the date a little bit even though we're probably going to be filming in 2018. So these are all, you know, it's considerations you have as an indie filmmaker is work-life balance and work-work balance is essentially what you have because your your indie film is work just like your normal job. You don't have life anymore, I guess. No life. <laughs> well, actually, I always hated that expression because I think oh, now everyone's going to hate me. Work is life. You know, like everything that you do, yes. physics, you know, physics says that work involves a force moving a certain distance. That's what all of life is. So I actually like and appreciate work a lot. What other tools can we talk about? WordPress has been great for our, for our website. It's a powerful tool. Uh, as one of the first things we did was made a, we made a website for the film. Then our Twitter followed. Why have we been spending so much more time on Twitter than Facebook? Why don't you answer that question? Because I hate Facebook because they sell my information to the government. Um, no, that's not the that's that's my reason. That's not our reason <laughs> collectively. So Facebook actually really does control a lot of what kind of content is put in front of your people. And the nice thing about Twitter is that you really have a lot more access to you know stars and networking on Facebook. I mean, me and Mark Hamill are never going to have a conversation on Facebook ever. Not in my wildest dreams. That's a thing that's happened to me on Twitter. And that's really cool. You know, I got, that is a beautiful thing about Twitter. Uh, and you can do that because Twitter is more equal opportunity. It's more democratic. Um, there are a lot of people who disagree with that statement right now, but it's, it is more democratic than Facebook for sure. So another really rising social media platform that we really need to be more active on is really Instagram. So we're really trying to work on learning how to integrate more Instagram scheduling because that's a lot more 
challenging um, because just their API is a little more difficult to navigate. Um, API, for those of you who are like me and don't know, is basically the access key that developers use to create apps for different social media. So like when I'm hooking up my Facebook to my WordPress, I have to create a whole app in in a lot of and, and do a bunch of things with API in the background. Um, it's very not fun and stressful, which is why I really like some of the plugins that we have um, that are available for WordPress that we're going to be starting starting to work with soon. I am going to mention Block to Social now. I'm actually Block to Social affiliate, so so warning. One thing I'm really excited about um, installing on on our film site is is blog to social because it allows you to take your blog post and format it for every single social media that you've ever heard of. And many that I've never heard of, um, even including like medium and Torial and, and all, all these kind of things and send it out, you know, all on one page, which is very nice because then, it, and then it's out, you know, then your stuff is out. It's posted on these social media sites and you can increase your views. That's something that I think is, is pretty cool. And I'm excited about doing, um, but one of the reasons we focused on Twitter first, rather than doing all those things, and one of those reasons I haven't installed that on our blog site yet, uh, I use it on my personal blog, is that Twitter's just where people are talking about indie film. I and mean, you put in the hashtag and you can find everything. It's a lot more difficult to keep those conversations going on Facebook. Um, Twitter has a lot of creators. We're at the point in our search where we need to be networking with creators. Facebook, everyone is on Facebook, but... They're on Facebook for their personal lives. They're not on Facebook because they're trying to find out about my film. People on Twitter are on Twitter because they want to know about news. They want to know about my film. And that is very useful. So I think that's one of the reasons. I don't know. You might have something to add. Why do you? Why are we oh, on I Twitter? Think, uh, for exactly for the reasons you said. It's so much easier to have conversations with people you know you're probably never going to meet. Facebook makes it very difficult. Because for the most part on Facebook, people don't want to be contacted by strangers. We've all been contacted by strangers on Facebook. It's very, even if it, people are looking to make our lives better or offer us opportunities, it's a bit jarring. It's right? intrusive. I, don't, I mean, I don't talk to anybody who contacts me on Facebook who I don't know, except through, you know, the page for our film. Exactly. Otherwise, I don't talk to you. So don't Facebook me. Go away. <laughs> and I feel like most people can agree with that. Um, we would also be remiss if we did not mention uh, Status Brew. Uh, you can find them at unfollowers.me, M-E. And that's great. It allows you to see who's following you, who's not following you back. Uh, it allows you to copy the followers of other people with accounts similar to yours. It allows you to search for people by their profile. You can see, um, I like to use Status Brew. Um, when I'm deciding to follow someone, I look at when was the last time they're on Twitter. So if it was less than a day ago, and if you follow more people than you have following, that's a pretty good metric to me of whether you're going to follow me back. That doesn't mean you're not a great person, but you know if you're following people on Twitter who, who are only going to check it once a month, those people aren't going to follow you back. They don't care about your project and they're not going to engage with you because they're never online. And if they typically only follow 2% of the people that follow them, they're also probably not going to follow you. So they're not going to see your content. 
on the other hand, those kind of people, when they do follow you, have a much higher exactly. impact. Yeah. because So, like, there's somebody who follows me who is wonderful. Oh, my goodness, and I can't remember her name. It's something like Kathleen. Like, it's a very simple Twitter. She has, like, 3,000 and something followers, and all she ever does is tweet sci-fi. She's only following, like, 200 of us. So she sees, like, everything I say, um, which is amazing. So when those people follow you, like, you want to treat them really well so that they stay around because they're, they're going to see your stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, I use Status Brew every single day, just about. Um, and actually, this is one of the few services that we're thinking about actually paying for. We're moving forward um, to get the paid version. You can actually find them, like like um, Sam said, it's at follower, unfollowers.me, but they're actually also starting a new domain. I think they had some switches or something because they're a very small, like, indie-type app. Um, I think they're now at statusbrew.com or .org also. They're amazing because you can sort your followers and you can search for your followers. So like sometimes there will be somebody that I want to tweet at and I cannot remember their name because I'm terrible with names. Um, and I can't find them just by searching my Twitter because I have too many, because you, you can only search your Twitter by name um, or by or by a keyword in a profile and then I'll get a whole bunch of things on a hashtag. But on Status Brew, I'll search through specifically my followers with a bunch of keywords and then I can find the person that I'm looking for who I wanted to talk to which is amazing when you're managing a very large following um, and you wanted to give some love to one of those people uh, another really great tool that they have um, that I think is in oh they're actually the ones who send you our welcome tweet as well um, and I really like them because you can also send an auto DM with them but don't do that because nobody likes that we've been over that uh, but I just I also really like that they're very in, unintrusive with it. It works. They reply to the person. They, they, they don't reply. They they as soon as the person follows, they send them the link, um, and they don't you know they're not spammy. They don't do anything else, and they and they just work. You just get it. You get the link, and I really 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 appreciate that. They've been they've been very very good to us. We like them a lot. I was. There, we, yeah, we love them. We're going to give them money now. So if you're listening, we're going to give you money, Status Brew. Um, that is how much we like them, which we are cheapos. So that is not, that is not to be taken lightly. Love is – money is a sign of our love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a love language for that. Like, yeah, there is a gift. It really means something if you, like, spend some money on someone. <laughs> that's that's Jen and I. For for apps. Yeah. For, for Yeah. 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 That's right. And it's not my normal love language, but for apps, that's certainly my love language. Um, another one that I'm trying to use, I may not be using it very well. Um, so I was very afraid to put it on our, our site. I have an experimental Twitter that I use to make all the mistakes before we do it on our site, is Round Team. Some of you might really like that, roundteam.co. What they do is they allow you to select, like, a list. Like, for example, we could select our indie film list that we have, which you should check out because you can see all these indie filmmakers we're, we're following. Um, you can select that list, and then you can retweet every few hours or so something from that list. That's really nice because it means you can celebrate people you like. So if you have a Twitter list of people who you think are super cool, um, you can retweet their stuff every three hours or so. People really appreciate that. We need to play around a little more and co-list a little bit because the problem 
with that is I haven't figured out how to make it so that it only really retweets relevant content. I mean, I don't want to be right. retweeting, oh, I ate this for breakfast today. Yeah, I mean, I'm following Gail Simone over on my other – she's a big comics writer – over on my other account. And I'm really tired of accidentally retweeting what she had for breakfast or whatever. I do not care. I'm sorry, Gail Simone, but I don't care. Um, and I, I want to – so it's a little hard to – make that work but if you're a power user you can figure it out and a lot of you are a lot smarter than i am um so when we figure that we might be using that as well i don't know because i really like our feed so far i I think we're doing pretty good i follow our feed with curiosity to see what's going to come next because since sam posts some of the stuff and i post some of the stuff i don't always know what's coming and then of course we have our little moana robot post stuff um and so i like to i like to I follow, I check our feed every day to see what's coming up on it. Um, so you should check it out too. It's at a fair underscore movie. Uh, and we, we tweet a lot of fun stuff. Sometimes we treat, we tweet things that are a little scary by accident. Um, <laughs> we're working on that. And anyway, it's really fun. It's a fun, it's a fun journey and we love our Twitter followers and we're very good to them. Um, and we love talking to you guys on Twitter. So just talk about anything and we will respond because Sam is amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't talk about gaming. Um, I can, though. I feel oh, like yeah. I'm misleading people. Because there's a, a girl, um, Martian Cat. She's Cash. awesome. She is amazing. She's a gamer. And I, like, like, I play some games, and my husband's really into gaming. But I can't really talk about it on a deep level like you can. So just, I'm I feel like I'm misleading her. She thinks I'm a gamer, and I'm not. I'll, I'll have to... I talked to her on my other one. Yeah, we have to switch. <laughs> she is, she is, you should check her out. She is at Martian Cat, I believe. Um, if you, and if you Google Martian Cat, Girl Gamer, Twitch, Twitter, you will find her. She's an incredibly supportive person. Um, and she's live streams her games that she does. And it helps her to make money to live. So you should tweet her so she can have money and live. Um, not tweet her, watch her on Twitch so she can have money and live because she's a sweet person and she deserves to live, I think. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, we, this has been a really good podcast, you guys. We have given you so many cool Twitter accounts to look at. Um, I wanted to say another thing about, you mentioned how pretty Buffer is. Um, TwitchShot is an amazing tool that works really well with Buffer. Um, and it's so that, cause right now Twitter doesn't automatically pull images from your links like i wish it did facebook does that and twitter really needs to get on that um so because it doesn't automatically do that you can instead schedule link tweets with images without having to download the image um, with twitch shot and i i mean i'm looking at it right now i have a little it's a little button that you can put into chrome um it's also just a website if you go to twitchshot.com and they work with buffer um and buffer also you should probably follow their Twitter because they have amazing resources. They are content marketers who sell tools on how to content market. So if you're interested in marketing, if you're a content creator, definitely follow Buffer. Um, follow all these companies that we're talking to you about because they, they want you to succeed, right? When you look good using their products, they look good. Right? Absolutely. Um, well, and Buffer, but I mean, Buffer goes above and beyond. Like all of these, these ones are, are nice. I mean, but I've never gotten studies from Hootsuite, you know, Buffer's studies about when people are tweeting and their, their posts about that totally revolutionized how much 
work we put into Twitter and how we use Twitter. Um, right. And I mean, we've grown really quickly. So we, we do know a little bit. Um, I mean, we grow by about, we doubled within the first m- month. Well, cause we, first off, we went from zero to some really high, to several hundreds very quickly, like in the first two weeks. And we're kind of growing it at a very consistent rate. And a lot of it is by using the kind of information that we received from reading basically these these buffer buffer analytics. And I went down, I sat down with the graphs. So Twitter analytics is another graph um, generating thing that you really need to look at. It's I think it's just analytics.twitter.com. Um, you have it. It's already with your Twitter account. And you really need to go through each of those, not you, Sam, you people out there, um, need to go through your Twitter account, the kind of people that it's interacting with, and when they're tweeting, when you're getting the most interaction. So, for example, um, from that I know I shouldn't tweet 64 times a day because when I tweeted 64 times, I got a lot lower interaction. Um, and you can find your your bet your sweet spot. Our sweet spot is really around 19. Um, right now we're I think somewhere between 10 and 15. Which is which is good. I'm gonna to have to run the analytics again because it changes as your followers change. Another really good resource that Buffer referred us to for analytics, free analytics, is followerwonk.me or followerwonk.net or followerwonk.moz. I can't remember. If you Google followerwonk and moz, you will find it. That's wonk like wonky, f o l l o w e r w o n k. They're really good because they let you analyze how many of your followers are big retweeters, how many of your followers are really high-value users, and that can really help you kind of target those people and at them when you tweet. Ideally, every tweet that you send should have one at in it. We are not particularly good at this right now, but we're getting better. Um, And that's, again, why you can't automate everything, because the robot cannot at the person all the time. That person will then kill us. Um, you know, you want to give that person relevant information that they like. And every tweet should have two hashtags in it. Uh, all three tends to drive your, uh, interactions down. Um, and any less you can't get found. Most of your money or most of your new discoverers are going to be found through hashtags, not just through your followers. So, and all that kind of information is information that we've learned through, from the studies that Buffer has really worked at, worked hard to, to put in. Yeah, we work really well together on social because we're both uh, algorithmic learners. So What's that? It it means we like we like information, we like data, and we also like uh, we don't like feeling things out. We like steps. You do this, and you do that, and you do that, and then this happens, or this is going to drive your engagement up. You know, as opposed to a lot of people take to Twitter and which is fine unless it's fine to look at Twitter as, you know, just this wonderful place where we're going to like share our behind the scenes footage. But if you really need followers in the way that we really do to make this crowdfunding campaign work, if you need followers and you need people to actually see your stuff, you're going to need studies. You're going to need data. You don't have time to figure that out for yourself. And even if you do figure it out, how are you going to know? Are you know, are you running, are you running a model are you doing an ANOVA? Are you finding out what's statistically significant? I mean, we can do that. We're educated people, but we don't have time. We have other stuff. We could run an ANOVA. We could figure that out. I, I know what that is, but I didn't know what algorithmic learning is. I actually learned that at a marketing conference. 
at Ooh, cool. content marketing world. A woman told me that term and that's where I learned that from. That's very And cool. I also met the CEO of Moz there. Really? Yes. Oh, that's the follower wonk guy. Yes. He's great. And he has cool facial hair. What does their product, like, what does their non-free products do? Because I only know about follower wonk. I don't know about any of their other stuff. He runs, uh, basically, it's all about SEO. It's all about SEO is what Moz does. Um, and they have tools to optimize that. Kind of like Yoast, but uh, more in-depth. Okay. What does Yo? What is? I don't know about Yoast. What does Yoast, Yoast do? We have it on our WordPress blog. It's uh. It's oh yeah. It's that thing that Yoast meta tags me. and stuff. Things. Yeah. When you use too much passive voice and stuff like that, even though I can't really tell what passive voice is very well. It doesn't like. It doesn't like when I get pretty. I that I hate that thing. Okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't hate that thing. Um. We we get along. We're we're right now in a green. We I can categorize our relationship based on the colors that it, it offers. Um, when it when we hate each other, it's red. When we are friends, it is green. A lot of the times, it is yellow, because it doesn't understand like psychology type writing. It understands like blog type writing, which is cool because we are running a blog. So it's actually an incredibly useful tool. I've actually really appreciated it. And I've actually gone through and changed a lot of things in posts because of it, because it does. Uh... So I used to work as a content creator and a ghostwriter who made all her money through SEO um, because companies were paying me to bring them, bring them people. Right. Um, and I can tell you this, if I had had this product back when I was working, um, in that, I would definitely have listened to it. It's it's very, it, it knows what it's talking about for the most part. It's certainly helpful for keyword searching. That's I really like that. I don't like it when it's talking to me about readability because it really doesn't understand how educated a lot of our audience is. And yes, our audience uses big words sometimes. Big words are not bad. Um, we we should be allowed to use big words, but in general, it it really knows what it's talking about. So that's another tool that you should definitely check out. Um, WordPress plugin called Yoast. It's great for uh, analyzing keywords and long tail keywords and uh, short keywords and making sure that whatever you post is optimized for search engines. Another plugin that we're using that I, I like a lot is I do like your Bloom plugin. I use a pop-up ally, which is a different one on my other website. Um, but Bloom is actually a lot easier to use. Basically what Bloom does um, yes, I, I know that we all hate pop-ups and pop-ups are bad, but a lot of studies have shown that a specifically exit intent pop-ups that aren't intrusive, that are part of the page, they actually increase subscription rates to newsletters. So I do, and I don't get offended when they come up, especially if they come up after I'm looking at stuff. I don't like it when they come up while I'm looking at stuff. But I do appreciate it if I'm if I'm browsing a website. Hey, I'd really like this blog. And then when, as I'm leaving, it says, "Hey, do you want more of this?" Then I'm like, "Sure." That's how I. That's why my inbox is full of stuff because I am always saying sure. So indie filmmakers hit me up because I'll probably say yes to your email um, subscription because I, I I love that. I love learning what you guys are doing. Um, so and a lot of users are like that. A lot of users are like me and like on our way out. If we liked the content, we'll say, "Hey, yeah." What people don't like, which is something we have to kind of figure it out with Bloom a little bit and play around with it, people really don't like being interrupted while they're reading. Um, so it's it's good if you can make a pop-up 
that's like exit intent. The cool thing about Bloom is that it doesn't just do pop-ups. The one that I'm using on my other site, Pop-Up Ally, only does pop-ups and only for exit intent. The Bloom is really cool because you can put under your blog post or a fly-in on the side, which a lot of people are using fly-ins on the side now because it's really classy. Um, it looks really nice. It doesn't interrupt people's reading. Um, so people really appreciate that. And Bloom lets us do all that. You can go to our website and you can see kind of how we're using it um, and see that it really allows a really integrated look. So your pop-ups don't look very separate from each other. Um, and so that everything everything looks looks beautiful with the theme. Long. There's a theme. Our website has a nice artsy theme because one of our characters is an artist. So there's lots of paintbrush strokes and all that stuff. In case you were wondering why the website looks the way it does. And Bloom is offered through Elegant Themes. You actually do have to pay for it. Um, I've been using Elegant Themes and the Divi theme for WordPress for a couple years now, and I love them. So I have a developer's license with them. I built the website, and I think it's definitely worth the money. You can um, buy Bloom separately, though, if you don't want their themes. But if you're an indie filmmaker and you're looking for a theme and you're willing to spend a little bit of money, DV is awesome, it's powerful, it's beautiful. And it's 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 even easier to use now than when I first started using it because they have a, an editor that's basically what you see is what you get. It's very, very visual. You have a really better eye for like design and stuff like that than I do. So that's, that's what Sam does all, Sam does all of our like design stuff because um, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at that. I do think... Um, it, I think that because you have a better eye, maybe it's easier for, it would maybe easier for you to pick up than it would be for me. I do think Divi is a little tough for somebody like me to pick up. Cause just looking at it, when I, when I first opened the blog post of our WordPress, I was like, ah, what am I going to do? Ah. If you're WordPress literate and then you're switching to Divi, it can be a little bit daunting because I mean, it changes the look of your editor. Okay, guys, this podcast is getting pretty long. We do have more tools to share with you, but we'll do that in a later episode. So please stay tuned. If you have anything uh, you'd like us to mention or you have any questions, please feel free to hit us up at movie at mysweetaffair.com. That's movie at mysweetaffair.com. Thank you guys for another excellent week. This is Jen and Sam signing out. Thank you very much for joining us. And if it's still early in January when you hear this, I hope you're having a very, very lovely new 2017. Bye-bye.